Chapter 5. Resist. Amy worked patiently at the tangled chain in her hand. Surely, if she could just loosen this bit here and then pull that piece through it, the knot would be undone and she would have untangled one more necklace. Then, just as she thought she had it, the whole knot seemed to move between her fingers, and it was just as tight as ever. She sighed and began again. The cross on the end of the gold chain was unlike any cross she had ever seen. Its unusual shape fascinated her. She had been able to untangle all the other pieces of used jewelry, and now they hung on a little wooden stand ready for sale. She liked this necklace the best, but the knot in the chain was proving very stubborn. The door to the shop opened and Grandpa entered. Thanks for minding the phone. Any calls? Amy shook her head and kept working at the chain. Then Grandpa noticed Amy's rack of untangled jewelry. You've really made progress there, he said. Yes, but I can't undo this one knot, Amy said, still working. She stopped and held up the necklace. Look at this cross. Isn't it pretty? Grandpa looked at the cross that Amy was holding up for his inspection. Oh, that's a Huguenot cross from France, he explained. He pronounced it Huguenot. See how it's made from four flower petals? They are the pearls of a lily, a symbol for France, because Huguenots wanted people to realize they were loyal to their country. There's a fleur-de-lis in between each petal. That's another symbol of France. And then look, the empty space left where each fleur-de-lis touches a flower petal is in the shape of a heart. And you have the Holy Spirit dove suspended from the bottom of the cross. What's a Huguenot? Amy wanted to know. Huguenots were the Protestants in France, back when it was illegal to be a Protestant in France. Grandpa explained. Huguenot pastors weren't allowed to preach. Huguenot Christians weren't allowed to get together for worship. They did it anyway, of course, and sometimes suffered for it. When we were in France, we visited a town that had a tower in it. In the top of the tower was a room. Not a very big room, either. A Huguenot woman had been locked in that tower for decades. You could see on the tower wall where... She, or one of her Huguenot friends, had scat scratched the word resist in the wall with a hairpin or a finger fingernail or something. Amy sighed. Why do so many people hate Christians? She asked. It's because of the war story and war in our story, Grandpa answered. You know what God told the serpent in Eden? Serpent in Eden? The one that would come from the woman and those who were on Satan's side would always be enemies. Even though he's already lost the war, Satan and his allies will still do all they can to hurt God's people. Our next story shows exactly that, Grandpa said. How about if I tell it to you while you work on that chain? Okay, Amy said, nodding without looking up from the tangle. Mark set down a map that he had been examining. It showed the progress of World War II in the Pacific. I can save this for later, he said and came to sit near Amy. Grandpa went to the counter for his yellow box. Amy continued to work on the knot. I'm sure Peter was quite encouraged with the results of his first sermon. Grandpa began. Imagine 3,000 people turning to Christ from just one sermon, but not all the results of his preaching would be so happy. 
One day he and John were going to the temple to pray, and they saw a lame man sitting by the temple gate begging. Peter stopped in front of the man and told him, I don't have any money to give you, but I'll give you what I have. Then he said, In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. And he grabbed the man's hand and pulled him to his feet. John may have wondered what in the world Peter was up to, but there the man stood, on feet that were perfectly fine. He began to walk and jump. He went right into the temple with them, on his own two feet, praising God. Now this man had been at that same temple gate every day, begging, so everybody knew him. It caused quite a commotion when people saw him walking. In no time at all, there was a crowd around Peter and John, wanting to know what this was all about. So Peter preached another sermon. First, he made it clear that he didn't have the power to heal lame men. It was Jesus walking through him who had done it. Then he went on to explain that Jesus was the one God had promised who would come to set his people free, the one who fulfilled all the prophecies about the Messiah. Peter told his audience that Jesus had risen from the dead. Then he said that each one of them must turn from their sin and believe in Jesus. If they did, God would forgive them and bless them. That was as far as Peter got, when along came the priests and some of the soldiers from the temple guard. They arrested Peter and John and took them off to jail. But weren't they doing, but they weren't doing anything wrong, said Amy, still not looking up from the knot. In fact, they helped that man. They were teaching that Jesus had risen from the dead. Grandpa replied, Jesus' enemies hated that story. They'd killed Jesus to get rid of him, but that story about him rising from the dead made him more popular than ever. The priests and Jewish leaders were still losing followers. They had to stop that story from spreading. So Peter and John spent their first night in jail. In the morning, they would face Jesus' enemies, the rulers and elders of the Jewish people. What they didn't know as the night passed in the dark prison cell was that God had used Peter's preaching again. The Holy Spirit had worked in people's hearts once more, causing them to repent and believe. Now there were 5,000 men alone who believed in Jesus, without counting women and children. This time Amy did look up. Well, how many women and children? She wanted to know. It doesn't say, Grandpa answered. You could probably figure at least one woman and one child for every man. That would make 15,000 Christians, Mark said. They've come a long way from the 500 who first saw Jesus after the resurrection. Jesus was taking captives right and left, Grandpa agreed. He chuckled. The thing that's different about this commander is that when he takes people captive, that's when they really become free. When morning came, Peter and John appeared before a very friendly audience, but thanks to the Holy Spirit inside him, Peter wasn't afraid. He said, You killed Jesus, but God raised him. You rejected him, but God has chosen him. And he's the only way of salvation God has given. The religious leaders didn't like that one bit, but as Amy said, Peter and John really hadn't done anything wrong. A lame man had been healed, and all Jerusalem knew about it. So Jesus' enemies had to let Peter and John go free. First, though, they warned them not to speak or teach at all in Jesus' name and threatened them with what would happen if they did. Peter and John, still bold because of the Holy Spirit, told them, 
You decide whether we should obey God or you. As far as we're concerned, we can't stop telling what we've seen and heard. Peter and John knew how vicious these people could be. They'd seen what the same leaders had done to Jesus. So as soon as they were free, Peter and John met with the other believers to pray. They didn't ask God to keep them safe. They asked him to keep them brave so that they would continue to tell the good news about Jesus. When they were done praying, God answered. He caused the house they were in to shake, and he filled them all with great boldness so that all of them could tell others about Jesus. As the days went by, the new church grew. It grew in understanding of how Jesus is and what he requires of his followers, and it grew by crowds of people joining in it every day. And the jealousy of Jesus' enemies grew too. Finally, the high priest and his pals couldn't stand it anymore. Once again, they arrested the apostles and put them in jail. But prison bars meant nothing to our commander. In the night, God sent an angel to open the doors of the jail. The angel told the apostles to go preach in the temple, and they obeyed. In the morning, the high priest sent officers to the jail to bring Peter and his companions to trial. But the officer came back saying, The doors are still locked, and the guards are still guarding, but the prisoners aren't there. As the high priest puzzled over what was going on and what to do, someone stepped into the meeting and said, Hey, the men you are looking for in the temp- are in the temple teaching the people. Mark grinned. I'll bet the high priest felt silly. Once the high priest and his men finally had the apostles in front of them, Grandpa continued, they said, We gave you strict orders not to teach in Jesus' name, but you filled the whole city with your teaching. That's because we have to obey God before men, Peter answered, speaking for them all. You killed him, but God raised him and has seated him at his own right hand. God has made him a prince and the holy savior of Israel. Of course, that made these men mad. They liked to think of themselves as princes in Israel. They liked to make the people think they were their saviors. In fact, the chief priests and elders were so angry that they decided then and there to kill Peter and the others, just as they'd killed Jesus. And they would have done it, except for one man who spoke up and told them to calm down. This would all blow over soon. So the apostles weren't killed, but they were beaten in order again not to speak in Jesus' name. No one wants to spend time in jail. No one wants to be beaten. And no one wants to live his life in fear of powerful enemies, always wondering what they'll do to him next. The priests and leaders and Satan were counting on all these things to stop Jesus' followers. They were hoping to scare them so that they'd be quiet and stop spreading the good news of Jesus. Grandpa put two small items on top of his box. One was a little carving of a barred window, like one would see in a prison. The other was the cruel-looking whip from an earlier story. But they couldn't stop Jesus and his army. Satan's forces had fear and torture and prison as their weapons. But God had given his soldiers the gospel to preach. Grandpa removed the barred window and replaced it with the small open Bible that he had used twice before. He'd given them the Holy Spirit, so their preaching had the power to change hearts. Grandpa removed the whip and replaced it with the little Holy Spirit dove from his last story. In spite 
of all of the enemy's best efforts, the Bible tells us that the word of God kept spreading. The number of disciples kept growing and growing quickly. And now, get this, even a great many of the priests believed and came to obey Jesus. Cool, said Mark, just as Amy gave a cry of triumph. I got it! She said, holding up the Huguenot cross on the end of an untangled chain. Good job, said Grandpa. Now I want you to keep that cross, since you worked so hard at getting the knots out. Thanks, Grandpa, said Amy, and she fastened the chain around her neck. Acts chapter 5, 29 to 32. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew, and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. 41 to 42. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ.